Praise him this morning. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Oh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I need somebody to help me this morning. Come on. He deserves all our praise. He deserves all our glory. Lift your voice in the sanctuary. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, oh God. What a privilege it is. What an honor it is to magnify our King, oh Lord. Sing Jesus, you are our Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, you are share a quick testimony with you this morning. So the other day, my wife and I kind of had a little freak out moment, which we have every so often, and it's okay. It's what strengthens your marriage, and it's what strengthens your relationship with God. 
just had some unexpected expenses that came up, and which we all do. And we're like, okay. So we just prayed, said, God, we just give it to you. We lay it in your hands. That night, oh, and by the way, we tithe, just so everybody knows. <laughs> so this is a good thing. So that night I walked out to the mailbox and grabbed the mail. And there was a check in there, unexpectedly, for $832. Had no clue. We were, and my wife was at Walmart at the time, and she came in, and I just showed her. I said, see, we lack nothing. When we give everything to God, when we humbly submit to his spirit, when we give, when we tithe, when we worship, when we love upon Jesus, he's going to take care of us in our time of need. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He loves us. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadow of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope what could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped out from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame amen oh the cross has spoken I am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own Beautiful Savior, I'm yours, Lord, Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my 
the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me can we sing that again out of the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to breathe out of the silence the understand but more importantly Lord may we open our hearts to receive you in your name we pray and everyone said amen turn on next to you and say he is my living hope this morning amen Jesus, let me hear your hands. Well, the board has uh, chosen that today would be Pastor Appreciation Day. Yes. So, <laughs> so that beats. I'm, I'm just glad nobody booed, brother. So thank you. I'm gonna ask for the pastoral team and spouses to join us on the platform if you'd come. And then I don't remember board members if you and your wives were going to come, but feel free to come ahead and we'll social distance as much as is possible. Um, just uh, don't want you, anyone to think we're violating any rules up here. So um, come on ahead. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I believe, Steve, are you coming to take the mic? Who's coming first? <laughs> or is anybody coming? <laughs> Here we go.
Good morning. Everybody hear me? Okay. Usually I talk kind of soft. Uh, as Pastor said, today's Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And so we want to appreciate our pastors, not just today, but every day. The board has chosen this day to honor our pastors. We appreciate their ministry among us, us personally, our kids, our teens, our grandkids, our loved ones, throughout the year. A lot of their ministry happens without our knowledge, late nights, unseen labors, etc. Especially this year with all the extra work because of COVID-19. Also behind our pastors, there is a very supportive wife. They are a big reason for the successful ministry that each of our pastors have here at Berean. So we express great appreciation to them today as a great asset to their husband and because they minister among us as well as throughout the year. Those of you who are new to Brian, let me introduce them quickly to you. Start over here. At the end, here we have Pastor Justin and I knew I was going to do this. I knew I was going to do this. Crystal, I know who you are. <laughs> Pastor Nathan. Oh, I'm sorry. Pastor. <laughs> Pastor Matthew and <laughs> Pastor Matthew and Anna, Pastor Gary and Carol, <clears throat> Pastor Nathan and Angela, <laughs> Pastor Larry and Dixie, Pastor Lewis and Savannah, and Pastor Bill and Deb. Everybody, right then, finally. You did good. <laughs> so, so, so you ask, how can we practically appreciate them this year? I'm glad you asked me that. Love them. Do kind things for them. Send them a card occasionally. Help them when you see that you have a need they have. Really pray for them. They have some of the same struggles and problems we do. Pray for their marriages, their kids, their grandkids, their parents, their neighborhood, their schools, their ministry, their personal walk with God. Ask for God's protection and his wisdom, his provision, his peace, his power, his manifest presence on them, their family, and their ministry. Pray for a great anointing on the ministry that may be more effective and fruitful with expansion and maturation of the kingdom of God here at Berean. Love one another and forgive one another so we may be in unity. Psalm 133 says, where there's unity, God commands blessing. We all want God's blessing on our church and all those who come through the doors. Lastly, respond to their ministry. Let it change you by start doing something, stop doing something, or ratchet up what you are doing. Thank you. I want you to know that uh, I pray for you every morning. I pray for you every morning. You're third on my prayer list. Hopefully you don't get bumped up to first because then something goes wrong. So it's an absolute honor to be able to pray for you publicly here today. So if you could stretch out your hands and folks uh, viewing online, please stretch out your hands. Father God, thank you for each and every one of these men and women here. Father, thank you for the the leadership they've given us in struggling times and oftentimes from my perspective dumb times that we're living in god just just fill them up with a fresh anointing give them uh give them new vision give them fresh insight send volunteers send helpers father god these these men these women they're they're doing things that that have not been done before and father i just pray that uh each and every one of them is blessed each and every one of them is comforted and father we just pray for uh each and every one of them to, to go forth uh, sharing your vision, sharing your love. In Jesus' name, amen. we got cards we're handing out, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, I wasn't sure for a moment there, Steve, who I was going to be. <laughs> but I want to say a couple of things. I, too, want to express my appreciation of this team. I think we have the best team of ministers and leaders in the nation. I really mean that. And I want to say a special thank you to the board for taking the initiative to make sure this happens. There's a lot of churches that it never gets remembered or it gets overlooked. And uh, I just appreciate our board members and spouses and all the leadership they provide for us. God bless you. Thank you. And this has been a challenging year. I mean, just look around. It's been a challenging year. And, uh, but thankful that I have not ever, I've, I've not always felt unanimous agreement, but I've always felt unanimous support. Does that make sense? I don't believe that everyone has agreed with every decision I've made, and you're free to be wrong. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I'm joking. But I have felt unanimous support. Not once have I felt like anyone was out to harm or to cause a problem. We love you. We all counted a tremendous privilege to be able to serve God and to serve this church and know that we're on the same team together in the midst of unprecedented times. We've been able to maintain our vision to reach the world for Jesus Christ, to extend hope and to extend hope and wholeness to broken humanity. That's what we're about, and we're still doing that, and it's your support that makes that possible. God bless you. Thank you so much for your love for us all year through. God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, we have a lot of things happening this morning. And how many think it's all right to have fun once in a while in church? Yeah, yeah four of you. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. I knew I could count on you. I knew I could count on you. Uh, this coming week is Beggar's Week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll be gathering um, outside. There'll be no activities going on here at the church. Inside, none of the group activities. But we'll be doing our uh, trunk flicks whatever we're doing, our outreach, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from um, uh, 6 to 8. And if you've not volunteered to help yet, you can sign up online and help us be a part. And we also have shirts that we have ordered. They're available for you in the lobby. And please pick yours up if you haven't ordered. In fact, um, I see one of our shirts right now. Can you come up here just for a minute? Come on, come on. Come on, give her a hand. She'll uh, probably never wear that shirt again, but here, move your hair back so they can see your shirt. Keep singing, keep dancing, keep believing, keep loving. Hashtag we are Berean. Isn't that a great shirt on a beautiful young lady? Thank you so much. Thank you. So I've been looking for an excuse to do this. My t-shirt cannon. <laughs> now what makes this year more difficult is you're more spread out. <laughs> Last year I could hit you anywhere. We gotta load it. 
All right, who's next? That was a dud. That's called a cannon right there. <laughs> so come out and help us celebrate, wear your shirts, let people know that we still believe in having fun and a good time at Berean. Next Sunday, I believe, is daylight savings time, isn't it? Yes. Next Sunday. So make sure that you fall back. It's fall. Yeah, otherwise, you're going to be surprised when you show up here at the wrong time. I do want to make one comment about things that are happening. Um, God blesses givers. Pastor Nathan shared that story. Wasn't that a great report? Um, I shared last week about a family that is matching our missions, giving $18,000 a month, that their business is giving to missions, and their business is exploding exponentially. God is really blessing them. Now, I do need to tell you that if you just think you can twist God's arm by giving, it doesn't work that way. When God speaks to you, then you obey, he will bless. And I got this instant message um, this week. Said, Pastor, I just want you to know how God works. Not that you don't already know. Thank you for that. I guess I wanted to share some evidence he still worked. Two weeks ago, family in the church pledged to give $500 to the Alexanders when they were here. And they didn't have that in a savings account anywhere to draw that from. They made a faith commitment of $500 to the Alexanders. Said after giving the first $100 last Tuesday, they're going to make $100 installments. Um, my 90-day probation, within my 90-day probation, the yearly employee review came up. Typically, an employee must have completed that 90-day probation to be reviewed, and the review qualifies you for a raise. So the 90 days wasn't up. He didn't qualify to be reviewed to get the raise. However, the boss came to him and said, You've been doing so well, he decided to make an exception. My review qualified me for a dollar an hour raise. I'm telling you that God blesses givers. He will give you favor. Now, he will also test you. Don't think that you pay your way to the road of blessing. But he will also provide abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I do feel constrained to make one other random comment. I know this is a little disjointed, but it goes in line with what's happening in our world. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. Amen. I am a prophecy student, not a prophecy expert. I've never met a prophecy expert that I trusted. 
And so I'm not counting vultures or vulture eggs or any of those things that are happening all around the world that are signs of the times. But I'm just going to tell you, something has happened in our culture currently. One will be the increase of pestilence. And COVID speaks to that. However, one of the things that I think is a seismic shift on the eschatological timetable is the Pope's declaration of support for civil same-sex marriage. I don't have time to show you why or how this morning, but I'm telling you that is the first time in my life that I've seen a seismic shift that points to the coming of Jesus Christ. That is a, that is a phenomenal, diabolical moment to have our culture embrace. And if there ever was a time, church, whether you're online, in the chapel, here in the main auditorium, for us to dig in deep and buckle our belts and get ready for a ride, it's right now. Jesus is coming back. We need to get ready. And so in that, I believe we're going to Nehemiah chapter 8. I believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many of you believe that? Not the fear of oncoming events or the pressure of trouble, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I want you to watch this video. I want you to enjoy it. And then I want to make a couple comments about what you see. That may not be your style, but it's that music that's going to get me to heaven. I'm just telling you right now. The blood-bought church, the redeemed. But I have to tell you a little story behind that, why I played that this morning. Uh, sometimes videos come up on my Facebook wall um, recommended for my viewing, and that one came up. It's about twice that long. I pared it down a bit, and I watched that, and I thought as I watched it, that is so out of context. Now stay with me for a minute. How can we sing that in the middle of this crisis? Who's singing that today? 
not that song, but that spirit. And I heard God say to me, if it was true when it was written, if it was true when it was sung, it's still true today. Every stronghold of bondage will lie below our feet. We are the, we are the blood-bought church of the living God, and there's victory for the church. There's deliverance. There's healing. There's the power of God. And one of the things that we have got to maintain in this world of chaos is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In a culture of fear, in a culture of depression, in a culture of withdrawal, in a culture of conflict, in a time of division and hatred and riots and anger, I'm telling you, it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Is there anyone in the house this morning? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that comes out of Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to go there this morning and talk about maintaining the joy of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that look like? Listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Isn't that amazing? That's from the Old Testament. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. We've all quoted that. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? What is the kingdom of God? What does it consist of? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In this world of pain, what does it consist of? Righteousness. In a world of turmoil and division and anger, what does it consist of? Peace. And in a time of depression, it consists of joy. I'm telling you right now that as you look around right now in this world that we're living in, people's wagons are about 90% full of stress. And if you've not seen it, you will. People are reacting um, erratically, illogically, responding over what would be normal because their wagon is already 90% full and our response needs to be to not be caught up in the culture of the era, but to walk in the peace and joy that the Holy Spirit gives. John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. They were going into the darkest days they would ever experience, the death of the one they believed was the Messiah, and Jesus said, I'm telling you what's going to happen, not so you'll be afraid or discouraged or depressed, but so that you will have joy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Isaiah 12, 6, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. God wants us to walk in joy. Come on, I said God wants us to walk in joy. Put a smile on our face. Whatever we're facing, let's go on through it. Someone showed me a picture, and it was a depiction of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's reaction to our reaction to COVID. Do you remember Pharaoh and the 10 plagues? <laughs> Pharaoh would look at us and roll his eyes. 
over what they went through. God is bigger. Are you just hearing me this morning? He's bigger. So how do we maintain the joy of the Lord? I enjoy comedy. I enjoy jokes. I enjoy having a good time. But I'll tell you that that kind of joy is fleeting. It doesn't last. There's a place of joy where you can live. And Nehemiah chapter 8 shows us where that is. So I want you to open your Bibles or your digital device to the book of Nehemiah and follow along in chapter 8. There is so much here for us to consider. Number one. How do we maintain, how do we find the strength that the joy of the Lord gives? Number one, there has to be a return to the word with unity. A return to the word of God with unity. Verses one to three, this is a really strange thing that happens here. A really strange thing that takes place in this story. The people have gone back, chapter seven, to settle their communities. Ezra is back on the scene and we don't know why. But what we do know is while they were settled, there was a hunger created for them. And they saw that Ezra has come back to Jerusalem. And when they see that Ezra has come back to Jerusalem, their response is, we must hear the word of God. It was a unified cry from the people that said, we need more of the word of God. If we're going to maintain this, we need the word of God. I'm going to tell you that there are times that God sovereignly moves and it is one thing for the pastoral team to say, let's go win our world. It's a whole nother thing when the body of believers unified says we have a hunger to see more of God in our midst. Yes. Pastor Nathan can try to get us to respond. We can put together the best plan. We can have the best tools and work as hard as we know how to work, but it won't change anything until there's a unified response. The response of this body must be unified, responding to the Spirit of God. We need more of the Word. We need more grounding in Scripture. We value it in our lives. We're going to read it on Monday. We're going to read it on Tuesday. We're going to read it on Wednesday. We're going to read it on Thursday. We've got to get back to the Word of God. We're living in a time of incredible, incredible biblical illiteracy. And what I'm stunned by is the Pope's endorsement of civil unions for gay marriage is having almost no outcry in response to that. Why? Because there's no hunger for the word. There's no hunger for truth. There's no outcry for more of what God would declare to us. So church, if we're going to have the joy of the Lord, there's got to be a, a united effort to return to the word and let it fill, uh, let it fill our hearts and minds. God can stir our hearts. When there is an unsolicited response to God's calling, great things can happen. When we come with an intention, when we come with a purpose, we come with a passion. So the first three verses set up what is going to take place. It's like an overview of the rest of the chapter. They're going to hear the word of God. It's going to be proclaimed to them. Everything about our spiritual lives rests on the word of God. Look at verse 3. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Are you serious? Did anybody hear what I just read? From dawn. Anybody know what time the sun came up today? Probably, I don't know. 
6.30, probably sunrise this morning, I'm going to guess. Imagine if I had you come and stand in here from 6.30 till noon while we just read the word of God. That will not grow a church. What do you do at your church? We stand for six hours while the pastor reads it. But it will grow people in the relationship to God. Don't worry. I can see the cars coming. Pastor, you're not thinking of doing that, are you? <laughs> no. I'm just saying, look how hungry they were. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Look at how hungry they were to stand there for that length of time and listen to the word of God read. Now we're going to see what happens with the reading of the word as we move through the chapter. We need to secondly receive the word with worship. So beginning in verse 4, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. On his right, he had his worship team. On his left were the rest of the worship team. They were social distanced. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing. So watch. He opens the word of God to read to them. But how does it begin? It begins by Ezra praising the Lord, the great God. All the people lifted their hands and responded. You see, raising your hands in worship began in the Old Testament, not with the charismatic revival. It happened in the Old Testament. They lifted their hands, and they begin to respond, Amen, Amen. Why do you want me to say Amen? Because I want you to be biblical. They said, Amen, Amen. He's praising God. Amen. He praises God. Amen, Amen. They're shouting praise back. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Here's the point. The purpose of worship is not an end in and unto itself. The purpose of worship is to soften our hearts and prepare our hearts to receive instruction from the word of God. That's what Ezra is demonstrating. It prepares your heart to receive. If you came in with a hard heart, if you came in with heaviness of heart, if you came in tired, worship is intended to warm us in the presence of God. You'll notice almost every time after worship how Pastor Nathan prays for God to open us up for the receiving of the word because that is the purpose. Worship by itself isn't the purpose. It's to prepare us to receive the word. And so while we're singing, it's like, wow, that was great. I can leave now. No, you've missed it all together. We come together at the opening bell to worship God together so that our hearts are ready to hear what God would say to us. Amen. They begin to praise God, worship God. I, um, I know sometimes, I'll just kind of give this sidebar caveat, caveat. Um, sometimes people come in late, and I understand, I understand that. I know oftentimes when you come in late, it's because there was a challenge to get here. But if you're chronically late, it's because you're not hungry. It's because you're not hungry. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying it's because we're not hungry. Uh, Carol and I visited two large churches a couple of years ago in Southern California, both of them, I don't know, several thousand people that came. And I watched people, we watched people come in from the start of the service as some arrived, some were early. People were still arriving five minutes before the service ended. Now, if it were one or two, I could, under, you know, I was trying to get there. I had a flat tire, but I praise God, I'm coming anyway. Not when it's several hundred 
that are coming in. Why? Because they don't value the purpose of the worship time is to soften our hearts together. There's something that happens when we worship God corporately that doesn't happen when you worship God privately. Both are important. You need to do both, but both are important. One doesn't replace the other. In fact, if you're seeking him privately, it will empower when we worship corporately. And when we come together, God has promised to be in our midst and he's going to get us ready and move on our hearts and when people, I've had people say to me, Pastor, it seems like you're talking directly to me. What is that? It's the moving of the Spirit of God during the worship experience that warms us to his presence and opens our hearts so we can hear what he has to say. Ezra doesn't begin just pounding them with the word. He goes to God in worship to begin with. We need to be worshipers. We need to be people that seek the face of God that are hungry for his manifest presence. And one of the values, one of the priorities of ministry here at Berean is experiential worship, that you're not just watching a concert, that you're not just singing some songs, but we are endeavoring together to move into the presence of God. Some years ago, uh, we ran a van, previous pastorate, uh, to pick up some kids that were in a shelter. It was a shelter for troubled families. And moms and kids were living there, and we'd pick up a bunch of them. And do you know that they bring their trouble with them? And it was hard to keep van drivers because they were a problem. Those kids were tough. And because, is everybody listening right now? What I'm going to say next is worth coming for. And because I had never done it, I deemed myself an expert on how to do it. Write that one down. That's worth keeping. That just came to me in the moment. That's not over there. So I went out to the van and I said, how hard, how hard can it be? And they said, you drive them home. Not a problem. I, I'm not trying to be mean, but it was like trying to get chimpanzees in a vehicle. I am not exaggerating. There was a ladder on the back. One's on the ladder. One's on top. One is underneath. One's hanging on the front bumper. I can't even get them inside the vehicle. I finally get them in the vehicle. And before we get to the driveway, they're throwing stuff, hitting each other, carrying on, yelling. I slam on the brakes and I yell to the top of my voice, shut up. I'm not even out of the driveway. And there's a pause, and one of the boys looks at me, kind of surprised, looks at the others and said, I think he's mad. <laughs> I could tell you the rest of what happened, but I want you to picture all of those kids all over the van, on top, under, on the back, on the front, underneath, nobody inside. Do you know what we call that? The opening of the service. It's, if that's for me, I'm busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we all came in already in the van, buckled in and ready to ride, what might happen when we began to worship God? 
if we didn't have to put all of our stuff away and regroup and focus? What if my morning started, God, prepare me for your word this morning. Prepare me for your worship experience. I'm coming in ready. I'm not coming to get this morning. I'm coming to give. I'm coming to worship God. What God might do if we came in ready to worship him. You receive the word with worship. It opens your heart. It opens your mind. Third, you retain the word with instruction. They didn't just read it. They explained it. As they're reading, they have Levites up there to say, now want to make sure you understand this. And while it's being read, there's teaching that goes along with it. Instruction accompanied the reading of the word. We're not given the format how they did that. But we know that the scripture was read and explained. That's called expository preaching. And with that came the ability then to retain the word. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. But if you were a Muslim or talked to a Muslim, one of the goals of a Muslim is to memorize the entirety of the Quran in Arabic. To memorize the entirety of the Quran in Arabic, whether they speak Arabic or not. Now, how many would admit that'd be a tough job to memorize it in a language you don't understand? You've got to learn sounds. That's how committed. I've, I've talked to people in the Islam, Islamic community who have pointed me to people they know that have done that. Isn't it a lot easier to understand it? I mean, memorize it when you understand the words? To own it when you know what it means? That's the purpose of preaching. That's the purpose of teaching. That's the purpose of small groups. Why do we spend this time? This, oh, please, this isn't so I can stand up here and just expound scripture and try to find some nugget that you don't understand and haven't heard before, some new thing to share, some new idea, some new concept. It's simply to say, here's what the word says, here's what the word means, and we can't retain it if we don't at least embrace it in its meaning and what it has to say. Somewhere you need to come to understanding. That's why God ordained teachers. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. The role of the teacher in Scripture is elevated because it's the teaching of the text that will allow you to maintain it and hold on to that truth. They explained it as they went along the way. They explained the meaning. They gave the sense. Then fourth, you need to respond to the word with repentance. Beginning in verse 9, or in the entirety of verse 9, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For what had happened, here's what I want you to see. All the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. But I've had times when I've listened to the word preached that God put his finger on something in my heart that had nothing to do with what was being preached. If you can listen to a sermon... And nothing quickens on the inside of you. If you can listen to the word of God preached or taught and nothing quickens on the inside of you. 
James describes that person. Describes them as a person who walks up to a mirror and sees themselves as they are and then walks away and forgets about what manner of person they were. He describes that faith as meaningless, as dead. Because when the word of God is proclaimed, it supernaturally becomes a mirror and begins to show you some things about yourself. And if you're not ever seeing anything about yourself, you need to give your life to Jesus. Because his word will speak to you. It will touch you. You say, well, I don't know if you did a better job preaching, something might touch me. It's not my preaching. It's his word that convicts hearts. I've never claimed to be the best preacher on the planet. I've never claimed to be the most interesting person to listen to. But here's what I will claim till I die. I'm preaching the best message that anyone can ever preach from the strongest source that anyone could ever speak from. And that is the word of God. And I want to be true to that and hold to that. Now, let me tell you something that will destroy your faith. Um, It's when you read something in scripture that you don't like. And then you say, well, that was for then. It's not for now. I can't tell you how often I hear people say, well, that was just cultural. Let me tell you what the Bible says. All scripture. Everybody say all. All scripture is given by God and is profitable. For what? All scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God and woman of God may be perfect, truly furnished to all good works. It's all here for a purpose. Don't dismiss it because you don't understand it. When it convicts your heart, stay after it till you get an answer because this word is a mirror intended to show you you because Jesus loves you enough to change you. And while he's preaching the word and it's being explained, they begin to see things in their life that need to change. And one by one, they fall on the ground and they begin to weep. Oh, God, Forgive me, oh God, cleanse me, oh God, make me new. Make me a new creature in you. They're crying out for God's redemptive, Old Testament redemptive power to change them. You respond with repentance. Now, the problem is, strength isn't found in repentance. The church over the years, the church world over the years has gone through different eras of experience. And it seems like when the pendulum swings one way, we leave a gap on the other side. And when we see that, it swings far the other way. And there was a move following the prosperity movement that was calling us back to an abundance mentality that swung too far. And it was all about the blessing of God and nothing about repentance. You couldn't say anything negative without somebody rebuking you for being negative. And then there was a move that called us back and it was all about repentance. Every service was about repentance. Repent, 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 repent. There isn't strength in repentance. There's strength in joy. Because repentance isn't the end goal. Repentance is the doorway to the joy of the Lord. You shouldn't stay there broken. It's not God's will that you feel bad all the time. It's not God's intent that you would struggle along and feel as though you're not worth anything. Oh, woe is me, sackcloth and ashes, ashes on my head. 
Not at all. He is saying to them, don't weep. Don't keep repenting. Don't keep feeling bad. There's another step that needs to happen. And that fifth step is to rejoice in the word with obedience. And the whole rest of the chapter is about obedience from verse 10 to verse 18. So let's walk through this so we get the impact of this last piece. Number one, there was an overarching, over uh, covering of returning to the word. We want to get back to the word. We want to be biblical. We want to do what the Bible says. We don't care what it costs us. We don't care how it has to change us. We want to do what the word says. They gather together and Ezra says, all right, let's do it. And it started with worship. They began to worship God. Then that was followed with instruction. They began to understand the word of God. And then they responded to that with repentance. And then it ends by rejoicing with obedience. Verse 10. Go enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. I like that, don't you? <laughs> Go enjoy some pecan pie and some really good coffee. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. Are you hearing me this morning? What happens when you repent? You become generous. You immediately become generous. He's not even dealing with miserliness. It's a return to the word. And the return to the word is celebrate and help others celebrate. Extend hope and wholeness to broken humanity. Share the joy with others. Begin to spread that. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see now where that verse has its context. It's not about being happy. It's about being so immersed in the Word of God that it brings you to a place that you have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not a class on positive mental attitude. It's not a mindset that I'm going to smile all through the day. Not at all. You've come through the journey of the Word of God. I've worshipped Him. I've been instructed. I've been convicted and repented. And the outflow of that is the joy of the Lord. Somebody in the house say amen. It's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. That comes not out of a destination or a decision, but out of a journey. Joy radiates on the outside. The Levites calm them. Don't grieve. This is a holy day. And so they begin to do that. The people went away to eat, drink, send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. So here's what happens then. Verse 13, on the second day of the month. Verse 14, they found written in the law. You know what they discovered? There's a celebration that we haven't been doing. One of the things they were supposed to do was celebrate, without going into all the feast days and Passover and all of that, there was a Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles wasn't about a worship service per se. They were to gather sticks and thatch and build huts and live in them so that they remembered leaving Egypt on their way to the Holy Land, the place that God had promised, to remember where they'd come from, and what God had delivered them from. You know what we call that? We call that communion. Remembering what God has called us from. 
they were to take time and they realized they hadn't been doing that. You know what happens when you're in disobedience to the principles and precepts of the word of God? The walls of the city are going to collapse and the temple is going to be destroyed. And they want to keep that happening. And when they saw that, they didn't say, well, here's why we haven't been doing that. Here's why it's not been convenient. Here's why we can't join together and make that happen. They just decided they were going to find a way. Hashtag will find a way to get it done. And they'll begin to worship again. And when they obeyed in this time of tabernacling or waiting on God, they built temporary shelters and lived in them from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, till that day. The Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. They had never celebrated like that before. Do you know how much the joy there is when you find yourself in a place where you recorrect, you restructure, you reset yourself on a path that sends you down a right course and you experience the blessing of God himself? What I'm saying to you is, there's a day coming, church. We're living in troubled times. But if we'll do the right thing and walk in the joy of the Lord, someday we're going to dance like, we, like we've never danced. We're going to sing like we've never sung. Now, forgive me. I understand. I'm not blaming anybody by what I'm going to say. And I'm not chasing conspiracies. But here's what I know. The devil has already always hated the church. And if he can stop us from singing, he'll steal our song. We'll hang our harps on the willow. And we'll say, woe is me in a terrible land. I am not going to stop singing. I am not going to stop believing. I see another one of our shirts. Stand up. Stand up. Another one of our shirts. I am going to keep singing i'm going to keep whatever else it says i'm going to keep doing the things that god has called us to do and one of these days i'm telling you what it covid doesn't have covid doesn't have to go away for you to have joy social distancing doesn't have to go away for us to have worship social distancing doesn't have to go away for us to dance in the presence of god if I have to dance six feet away from you, that's fine. But I'm going to sing. I'll wear a mask if you want me to do that. But I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to enjoy life because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And some of you that are in a place of depression, I break those bonds that are over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Those of you that are discouraged, I release the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. Those of you that have been living in darkness, I proclaim the light of God into your life right now. That this is the day the Lord has made. We will be glad and we will rejoice in it. Is there anybody in the house today? We're going to return to the word and we're going to rejoice in the goodness of God. Stand to your feet, Pastor Nathan, wherever you are. I need you out here right now. I don't know where you went. I need you up here to help me out here. But this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Help us rejoice. Give me something to sing to and let's celebrate. Come on. I'm in this church. It's a glorious church.
sing. This is amazing grace. Yes. This is unfailing love. You would take our place. You would bear our cross. You would lay down your life. So I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. I want everybody to sit back down. Sit back down. I'm not upset about where you're singing, but I feel like there are some people that are in bondage that need to be free. And I want to know who you are. You've been bound in depression. You could be contemplating suicide. I don't know how deep your depression has gone. But wouldn't it be horrible to have someone come in bound and leave bound? Wouldn't that be a horrible thing? This is a place where we ought to have freedom. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, and I'm not saying you're, you're thinking about suicide. But you've been in depression, despair, fear, discouragement, and it has consumed you. This is the, this is the day the Lord has made for your deliverance. This is the day that he has ordained for your freedom. And I want you right now to stand to your feet and say, These shackles are coming off of me. These shackles are coming off of me. Stand your feet right now. There are others of you in the house that need to stand up. If you need that deliverance, if you need that deliverance, I want you to stand up right now. This is the day of the Lord's favor. This is the moment of God's deliverance. And now I want you to look around at those that are standing. Stand up and stretch your hand toward them and pray for the anointing of God to land on them because it destroys the yoke of bondage. Come on. Cry out to God right now. This is the day of deliverance. This is a day of his love. This is a day of his victory. It is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Oh, and open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens, open up the heavens, we want to see you, open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our prayer. Come on, sing, show us your glory. Oh, we sing, show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Oh, that's our prayer this morning. We sing, show us, show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Sing, open up the heavens. Hold oh, open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Open up. Open up the heavens. Open up the floodgates, 
something right now we've not done before I feel a prompting of God's spirit and I don't know which camera I want to which camera do I need to look at right here straight somebody is watching right now or be watching this video later and you're thinking about suicide you've been living in depression I'm telling you that the spirit of God that's in the room right now is on you even at this moment and I command those chains of darkness to break I command the authority that the devil has over you to be broken and I release a portal of heaven for the joy of the Lord to flow into your life. Now, I'm going to ask everyone in the room that if the camera can draw back, I want you to turn around, face that camera, and stretch your hand toward it and begin to pray for that individual that needs Jesus to set them free. Right now, we're believing freedom for you in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. You're interceding for someone's very soul right now. Jesus set the captive free. Set the captive free in Jesus' name. Your presence in this place, the glory on our face, looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. Because you're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Come on, lift it up, church. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our prayer. Oh, sing, open up the heaven, open up, open up the floodgate. Jesus, we thank you for joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you for that wondrous gift in Jesus' name. And everyone that loves him, let me hear your hands this morning if you love Jesus.